I, I was looking up, and I was like, wow, this is quite the change in perspective. And, and I said to her, no wonder he wants you to hold him all the time, because when you hold him, he can actually see everything that's on the counter, everything that's in the sink. And, and from where he was at, from his perspective, he couldn't see any of those things. Right? You couldn't see what was on the counter. You couldn't see what was sitting in the sink. And, and you know, as she was saying it, I'm like, wow, I'm getting a lot of, of like, pictures here of how it is with us and the Lord. There's two different perspectives that, that we have and that we see throughout the scriptures. And we're going to see those two perspectives this morning. One is heaven's perspective, and the other is our human perspective. And, and I think about that story and how at the beginning, you know, Judah had a perspective. And because he was my son, he was a small little guy, he did not have the same perspective that his father had, that his mother had, right? That, that because we are God's children, there are times we do not have the same perspective as our father, right? That there are things that we cannot see that he sees because he is our father. Do you understand? And, and so now when we're looking at the scriptures, there are certain things that the Lord has revealed to us. God has given us his perspective. In the life of Jesus, there are so many of his teachings that cue us in to, to the mind of Christ and to the perspective of heaven. And so this morning, we're going to be starting in Matthew 16, starting at verse 15, and, uh, and we're going to be reading from there. So I'd like to talk about two types of perspectives this morning. So let's start with the first, which is heaven's perspective. Reading from verse 15, to give you a little background, uh, the disciples are with Jesus in a town called Caesarea Philippi. And he asks them this question. Verse 15 reads, he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Lord, we just ask this morning you would speak to us through your word. Show us what it is that you desire for us to learn from the scriptures this morning. And we ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. This word revealed in this passage of Matthew 16, it actually is speaking or it's used of God revealing to men things that are unknown, especially relating to salvation. So God, in his grace, reveals to us something that we would not know. And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He says, there's no way that you've known this from a human perspective. God himself has revealed this to you. You know, I was preaching a message a few months ago uh, out of Isaiah chapter 40. And there's a statement that's made 
in this passage. Now, God is speaking prophetically through the prophet Isaiah, and he's asking the people of Israel, they're in, at this moment, he's speaking prophetically to them in their exile, and he's asking them two things. He says, have you not heard and have you not understood? Have you not heard, have you not understood? I think it's important for us when we're talking about heaven's perspective to recognize that Christ, right, God himself has revealed his nature, his plan, his will, his character. He has revealed himself through what? The scriptures, right? He has revealed himself through the word of God. Not only the written word of God, but the, the word, capital W, right? In the Bible it says, in the beginning was the word, capital W, speaking of Jesus. We have received a revelation from God in his word and through Christ Jesus. And the scriptures show us something very important. They teach us, and there's knowledge that we receive from the scriptures. But there are two types of knowledge that we receive from the scriptures this morning. The first is revelation knowledge. The second is head knowledge. Okay, Revelation knowledge and head knowledge. So when we think about this passage in Isaiah, it says, have you not heard? Have you not understood? It's a picture of true revelation and just head knowledge, right? Jesus, when he teaches and he says, those who listen and understand, again, it's the same concept, the idea of true revelation knowledge versus head knowledge. And let's flesh this out. The word heard means to cause to know or to be well informed. All right, head knowledge versus revelation. There is a knowledge of God that we can possess that gives us the answer to our problem, but it does not give us the faith that we need to see the answer come. I'll say that one more time. There's a level of faith Right, or a level of knowledge, rather. There's a level of knowledge that we can have that gives us the answer, but it doesn't produce the faith that we need to see that answer come. I'll give you an example. 2 Timothy 1.7, it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. All right, so let me talk about the first level of knowledge, this, this ability to understand, head knowledge. I have the ability to understand the answer. The answer is I should not be afraid. I should operate in a, power, uh, in a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and I should have soundness of mind. That's the answer. I have the level, uh, the level of knowledge, rather, of that answer. Through the word of God, I understand what it is saying, but I, how many have experienced times where your faith is not strong enough to produce that answer in the middle of a circumstance? You can be going through something and become afraid. And regardless of the fact that you know that you shouldn't be afraid, you are still very much afraid. Why? Because you have a level, right? We can come to a place where we have a level of knowledge that provides us with the answer, but not the faith to actually see the answer come. 
The second, the, uh, the word understand, you hear or do you not understand? That word refers, the first is to, to be well informed about something. The second to understand is to have a direct conversation with someone. It's like the difference between hearing about somebody and actually getting to know them personally. You can read Abraham Lincoln's biography, but you guys are not best friends, right? You did not grow up with each other. You just know information about him, but you don't truly know him. Revelation knowledge comes from the word of God, right? When we hear the word of God through even a message like this, sermons, podcasts, this is something that I've, I've had, you know, as we're in young adults ministry, ministering to, to millennials and in that age bracket, like one of the things that we had to stress is when you are listening to sermons, you do not get revelation knowledge. Why? Because the word hear, you're just hearing about. You're hearing from somebody else's revelation. A good example that I always use, uh, one time I was preaching a message and I had a nice yellow lemon, large yellow lemon. And so I cut it on the pulpit. And I took a slice of it and I started telling everybody, I'm going to take a huge bite of this lemon. And so I, I bit down on the lemon, you know, and, and, and then I just said, how many people's mouth watered? How many, how many people's mouth watered when I was just describing it? Any people were raising their hands? And, and I said, now, you got a sensation. There was something that was happening on the inside of you when I was talking about the lemon. But did you actually eat it? No. A sermon, a message, a podcast, whatever you may be listening to, right? It builds faith for sure. Because faith comes by hearing and understanding the word of God. But you have to personally encounter, personally have a conversation to hear directly from the Lord yourself. That, that when you... Listen to a message or, or to a podcast. What is, what is that? That is, there's a stirring that happens on the inside of you. Just like when someone's talking about a, a delicious meal that they've eaten or, or they describe something sour and your mouth just kind of waters. You're getting a sensation, a feeling, a directive because of somebody else's experience. Somebody else's revelation. A pastor has had a revelation from the word of God and is sharing it with you. Now the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you going, this is for you. This is what you need to step forward. And sometimes, how many have heard the expression before, well, you know, I need to go to church to get fed, right? No, no, you, you feed yourself in the word of God when you sit down and you spend time with him. That's when you're eating. When you're in the, the house of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is stirring up within you the, thing, the, the desire to go and eat to spend time in the Word of God. And so I think it's really important before we jump into heaven's perspective, it's important to recognize as we are trying to get heaven's perspective from the Word of God, you're going to see those two types of, of knowledge develop within you. My desire is never to operate in head knowledge. I want to operate in revelation knowledge from the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about it. Four statements by Jesus after, after he declares uh, to Peter, God has revealed this to you. 
He then proceeds to give four, what I believe is four pieces of heaven's perspective. When I say heaven's perspective, God's will. This is God's will for his church. This is the reality of heaven that he desires to administer to his church. So the first view or the first revelation of heaven's perspective in this text is that the Lord is building his church. The Lord is building his church. Now look what it says. It says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. That Greek word build, it actually means to found, to, to establish, right? So Jesus is making it clear. I will establish my church. I will build my church. The statement upon this rock, uh, people look at this passage and there's... Uh, couple different views. I'm going to share two of them now. One of them, upon this rock. The way that the text is kind of uh, written, it says, I say to you, Peter, you know, the writer, Matthew, he feels the need to kind of give a little nod in parentheses. He says, which means rock. So Cephas, right? Peter, it, the word meant rock. And so it says... You, Peter, which means rock, upon this rock, I will build my church. Some people think that that Jesus is speaking directly to Peter, and he's saying, hey, upon Peter, Peter, I'm going to use you as the foundational structure, the person who is going to help foundationally support the building of my church. Other people believe that it's Peter's statement that is the rock in which Jesus will build his church. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God, right? So some people, oh, well, it's the statement that, honestly, A and B both sound good to me because they both happen, right? Peter was used as the foundational support to build the church upon, and the statement that Christ is the Messiah, the son of the living God, is the very statement that all of it is built upon. So I believe that Jesus is saying, look to me, I'm the foundation of the church. Jesus as Messiah is the foundation of the church, and he used Peter powerfully to do it. And, and I want to encourage all of us this morning, the Lord is continuing to build his church. I've had the, the, the privilege this summer to be in a lot of different places, uh, different states, attending different churches in New England, and, and then also now here in New Jersey. I was just in South Africa uh, in June being able to see what, what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. And, and in South Africa, as I'm sitting in, in a crowd of probably about 3,500 people, as they're all worshiping together in, in the service, um, and they were singing a song, I Speak Jesus. Uh, and they were saying, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. And, and I, as I'm sitting there in the crowd of thousands it was amazing to me to, to this, this verse echoed in my heart. I will build my church. And it was amazing that I was literally on the opposite side of the world. And the church of Jesus Christ is strong 
and serving the Lord with power and might. That this is sometimes we get we don't we don't see the broader context. And it was a picture, you know, we see what's in front of us. Maybe maybe we see what's happening in Salem County and in, in, in the area around us. But to pick ourselves up, to get a higher perspective to see that God is building his church all over the world. And that what God starts, he finishes, that God does not fail in the things that he starts. And and so God is building his church. And so to bring that even to this context, that there are people in Salem County and the surrounding area that God is building this church, Salem First Assembly of God, to reach the people in this region. He's establishing his church. Perspective from heaven. The second thing, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell can't stop the church. Can I hear a loud amen to that one? Amen. Hell cannot stop the building of the church of Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the powers of hell, will not conquer it. If you know anything about Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus is making this declaration... It was an extremely pagan city. It was a city that, that would lie just under a cliff. And in that cliff, there was a, a, a really giant cave, uh, the mouth to a very giant cave. And, and in the, the wintertime, they believed, again, because it was a pagan city, they believed that the Greek gods of fertility would, would be in Hades, and they would produce what what needed to be produced for the favor of man. And there was a river or a stream that would flow out of the mouth of the river after wintertime in the spring. And they always believed what was happening in the underworld was coming out of that cave and, and resulted in their own fertility. And they called the mouth of the cave the gate to the underworld. And Jesus is standing, he took his disciples, one, to a city that they wouldn't think appropriate necessarily to travel to. This is Gentile, this is not a, 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 believing, a Jewish believing city. And he says, who do you say that I am in this city? He says, well, Peter says, you're, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And the city itself was built on, on, on bedrock, right? So... There's a third view of this, that when Jesus says upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some believe that he was speaking within eyeshot of this cave and and, and saying to his disciples that I'm going to build my church in the darkest of places, in the places that are hopeless, in the places that haven't seen the light of Jesus Christ, the places you would have never imagined a church to be built. I'm going to build my church in those darkest places, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that has given us a commission and, and a promise. I'll build it. And hell can't stop it. So he's placed you, each and every single one of you, are the church of Jesus Christ. And he has placed you here. 
Some would, would very much consider Salem County to be a pretty hopeless, a, a dark place. There's a lot of people struggling with addiction. They're struggling with, with a lot of things that are destroying their body. And this is the one thing we know about the enemy, right? The, the nature of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And to think about how many people, you know, he tries to, as a church, steal our resources, He tries to steal our opportunities to reach souls, to steal our our faith, to steal our passion. He's trying to literally kill our bodies. If he can kill us, he can keep us from continuing to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's trying to kill those who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's trying to destroy marriages to destroy family relationships, to destroy finances, biblical morals, whatever it is, he's trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the building of my church. Even when Jesus was telling us in John 10.10, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, he said, I have come that you would have life and life abundantly. That there's a purpose to what Jesus is doing on the earth, that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. So I just want to encourage you this morning, the the church needs to stop talking defeated. The church needs to stop talking discouraged. The church needs to stop believing the lies of the enemy, to stop focusing on the attacks of the enemy or the struggles that they're facing and understand the perspective of heaven. God is building his church in the gates of hell. The powers of hell cannot stand against it. That there is nothing that the enemy can throw at you that hasn't already been defeated at the cross. And getting that victory into our spirit, we begin to focus on what Jesus said, not what we see. Ouch, that's that's a tough one, right? When, When you begin to say, God, and this is where... Even when I'm facing something situationally, uh, for example, because sickness is like a a physical thing that you very much feel in reality, uh, there's there's a part of me that if my body ever becomes sick, I, I declare my healing. I declare that my body, the reality of heaven, and this is this is where I think sometimes people, well, you're in denial. It's not denial. I, I'm not denying my physical reality. I'm not denying the fact that my body is physically sick in reality. What I'm doing is I'm acknowledging the supernatural reality that, that overcomes and, and over like compensates. It's defeated the natural reality. right? So there's a supernatural reality that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. That Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, he took our sicknesses, he carried away our diseases, past tense, right? So so coming to the place where we understand, I'm not in denial, I just recognize there's an authority in the supernatural that is higher than what I'm facing situationally in the natural. And so whatever the circumstance may be, whether it's lack in your life or it's, it's health in your body or, or it's uh, the lost being saved or people being filled with the Holy Spirit or a relationship in your life, that there are things you begin to proclaim and declare the realities of heaven 
on earth. And I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get there in a moment. Because the third reality is that we have the keys to the kingdom. Right? The Lord is building his church. Hell cannot stop it. And we have the keys to the kingdom. Now, let me ask you, what are keys for? They unlock doors. They, they get you access to a, to a place that you cannot access without them. And Jesus is saying, I've given you the keys. I love that. I love that it's not like, it's not like this one giant golden key, right? I'm giving you the keys, plural, that, that I am giving you many ways to operate in what? I'll, I'll explain the, the imagery of keys in uh, the outline for biblical use commentary. It explains that the word key is a metaphor in the New Testament to denote power and authority of various kinds. So the, the image of a key is to represent power and authority. And that God has not just given you power and authority in one area. He has given you the keys. He has given you power and authority in many areas. And so we have to understand that. And I think for us at times we, well, let me just ask, are you operating in power and authority? Are you operating in power and authority when you think about your life? Uh, how many enjoy or have ever seen, I know those are really two wide gaps, but enjoy or have ever seen a, a sports game on television, right? In sports, there is an individual called the commentator. How many have ever heard a commentator before watching a sports game? So I think when it comes to power and authority, I think we often get trapped in being commentators for our own life. Right? What, what does a commentator do? Oh, oh, the quarterback, he gets the ball. Oh, the pressure's coming in from the left. He rolls out right, and he, oh, he tosses it. Oh, it's a completion. 20-yard line, 15-yard. He's, he's just talking about what's happening in front of him. And I think oftentimes when it comes to, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And when we fish, uh, face situations in our life, we don't need to be commentating on the situations in our life. You know what it looks like? Oh, my goodness, I have, a bill pay, I have a bill I need to pay. I don't have the money. I, I don't know where the money's going to come from, and it's due on Tuesday. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're, you're commentating. Oh, this, this issue in my back, I've had it for so long, and it's, uh, it hurts so bad, it goes down my leg. You're commentating. You're just repeating. You're commentating on what is physically happening in front of you. And when Jesus was teaching his disciples, he didn't teach them to commentate. He didn't tell them to talk about their problems. He said, speak to your problems. Talk to the mountain and tell it be cast into the sea. When he spoke to the fig tree, he said, wither, die. You'll, you'll not bear any fruit again. And it was obeyed. After, it withered and it, it died. No, there was a moment Emily. after Steph's, uh, that she, I believe she actually, with the epidural and everything, it was like, Right after six weeks, we had just finished our six-week appointment. We got back to the house, and that afternoon, she went completely paralyzed, like from the waist down. And, and I kind of like freaked out, you know? 
And, and for a moment, I went into the bathroom, and I started praying. And I said, God, you need to tell me what is happening in her body. And I felt immediately L3 came to my mind. And you know, that was like a local business in New Hampshire. So at first, I'm like, supposed to call L3? I don't, I'm not a really a biologist. I don't really know the human body very well. But there's, a, there's like a, a, see, I don't even know the word for it. Thank you. Lumbar. L3. Lumbar. L is for lumbar. Just want to teach you guys a little something this morning. <laughs> There's a lumbar. L3. And so I, I felt L3, and then I felt the word nerve kind of come up. So I looked it up, because I didn't know, so I was looking it up online, L3 nerve. So I found out that there are times there's a nerve that can get pinched in between that lumbar, and it can cause paralysis. So I went into that, that room, I was filled with faith because I knew it was from God. I had gotten an answer from God, and I went in, and what did I do? Did I say, well, Lord, um, you know, I just would really like healing? No, I said, L3 nerve, listen to me in the name of Jesus. Be loosed and let go. And, and within a few hours, she was walking around. We went to dinner at her sister's house that night. Like, when you speak to the problem... And you understand the keys are in your hand. There's power and there's authority that God has given to you as a believer in Christ Jesus. Speak to the mountain. If you believe and you do not doubt, that thing goes. And the last thing, perspective of heaven that I want to hit, and Aaron, if you want to come forward. The last thing that, that we are instructed to do is to bind and loose. And let me just say this, right, to, to the previous point. If there's a sickness in your body, if there's a, a family member in, in, in your family that has not experienced salvation, if there's relationships that you have, even for the, even for the church, if there's things that, that you're believing for as a church to see break, you need to begin speaking those things. You need to begin speaking to the opposition that is keeping the, the church from moving forward. Keep, or maybe it's finances. Maybe you need to begin speaking to, to man, there's a, de- there's a demonic spirit of lack. I don't know if you realize that, but there is a demonic spirit of lack that attempts to keep people in, in poverty and in, in bondage and not being able to get ahead. You know why? Because people who are so concerned with surviving lose sight of the mission of reaching the lost because they just need to get by. And, and it's, a, it's a demonic spirit. And the last thing that he says is we're instructed to bind and to loose. We're instructed to bind and to loose. The Bible says whatever you forbid on the earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on the earth will be permitted in heaven. When you think about the power, right, the keys of the kingdom, power and authority given to you, it's given to you for the purpose of binding and loosing. That you have the authority that you need to see God's will in heaven come to pass on the earth now. The Amplified Bible explains 
the language, the Greek language of this verse very well. Verse 19. It says, whatever you bind that is forbid or declared to be improper and unlawful on the earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, that is whatever you permit or declare lawful on the earth will have already been loosed in heaven. The way that I would put it is, Jesus is telling his disciples, forbid on earth anything that is forbidden in heaven and permit on earth everything that is permitted in heaven. And when you really start to think about that statement, when I started to think about that statement, I just, is sickness permitted in heaven? Is depression permitted in heaven? Is doubt, is fear, is anxiety permitted in heaven? Is a lack of provision permitted in heaven? Is strife, is bitterness permitted in heaven? You start to go down all of the list of things that you know for a fact do not belong, will never belong, and are never permitted in heaven. And Jesus is saying, declare those things, loose those truths, those realities here on the earth. Loose the realities of heaven and bind. If those things aren't in heaven, then they should not be here on earth in the life of the believer. Now let me say, in the life of the believer, if you are connected to Christ, the reality of heaven, it, it, Jesus prayed it, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the desire of Christ Jesus, that we would walk in the will of God. And so there are things, as a believer in Christ, you need to start binding. The depression, the anxiety, the fear, the doubt, the things that keep you back, the lack, the strife, the bitterness in your relationships. There are things you need to bind right now because they are not realities in heaven. And you need to begin to loose the realities of heaven instead of sickness, release physical healing. Because there's no sickness in heaven. Instead of doubt and fear and anxiety, release peace. Because that's the reality in heaven. Instead of depression, release joy. Because that's the reality in heaven. Instead of strife, right? You have that peace to release instead of strife. Forgiveness instead of bitterness. That is calling us to loose the realities of heaven on the earth. And so the, the first thing that I would like to do, if we could just stand to our feet for a moment. The first thing that I would like to do is just encourage, if you are not serving Christ Jesus, there are realities of heaven, the perspective of heaven that, that Christ Jesus has for you, that his will is for you to be saved. His will is for you to repent of your sin, the sin that separates you from God so that you can have everlasting life, yes, but that you can walk in the realities of heaven here on the earth today and to win souls to advance the kingdom of God. And so if there's any person in the room that you have not made the decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, 
and you would say this morning, I, I would like to give my life to Christ this morning, could you just raise your hand for me? I just want to see if there's anybody in the room that you would say, I, I don't have, I'm not right with God, and I want to make myself right with God today. I need to repent of my sin. Is there anybody at all? The second thing that I would ask is that if you know that you are not operating in heaven's perspective, that you, you read through the verses that we just read, that God is building his church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that we've been given the keys of the kingdom, that we're to bind and to loose. If there's any part of that that struck you and you realize you're not fully walking in, in that reality, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah, I see hands all over the place. Yeah. Because what we're, what we're fighting up against, and I briefly just want to go through a couple verses in the next couple minutes. But if you raised your hands, I, I want to speak to you directly. And actually, I'm going to, just because it's going to be a few minutes, why don't you take a seat just for like five minutes. I just want to talk through the, the rest of this because there's still some principles here on, on a human perspective. Because... When we, when we look at heaven's perspective, the thing that we're combating against is that human perspective, right? And so when you look at the human perspective, Jesus speaks to the disciples and he tells them, he's, after this, he starts to tell them about what's going to happen to him, that he's, he's going to go and be crucified. And in verses 20 to 21, that's what he talks about. Right, I'm going to be go, I'm going to go, I'm going to be crucified. The elders, the, the, the leaders, the chief priests, they're going to, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise again. And look what happens. Peter, the one who had the revelation from the Lord, this is what he says in verse 22. That human perspective, if we allow it to kick in, it actually opposes the will of God. So verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him saying such, for saying such things. He said, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. A, a, a human perspective opposes the will of God. The will of God was that Jesus Christ be crucified. And Peter then begins to say, heaven forbid. Isn't it amazing that just a few verses earlier, Jesus is saying, forbid on the earth everything that's forbidden in heaven and loose on the earth everything that's loosed in heaven. And Peter tries to forbid something on the earth that is loosed in heaven. He tries to say, heaven forbid that you go die on a cross for our sin. Heaven forbid that while heaven is declaring out loud, this is my will. God is declaring from heaven, my will, it pleases me to crush my son so that people can come into relationship with me. When we, when we look from a human perspective, we will oppose the will of God. Why? Because, point number two, the human perspective is driven by the devil. Whether it's human, demonic, or from the Lord. I'm sorry, but demonic and human, are, it comes from the same place. It's from the same fallen place. And this is why. Jesus turned to Peter right after that in verse 23. And he didn't say, Peter, you're looking at things from a human. Well, he did say that. He, but he didn't just say, Peter, you're looking at things from a human perspective. He says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. 
For you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. That we need to recognize, don't fall into the trap of the human perspective that tries to pull you in and and to oppose the will of God, but then also to allow the voice of the enemy to say, that's not what God wants. I've seen it time and time again. There's so many people that believe that God doesn't want to heal their bodies. There's so many people that believe that God doesn't want to be a provider for them, that God doesn't want to see answers come in their life because they haven't seen the prayer answered. I'm telling you, do not listen to the voice of the enemy. It's a human perspective. Verse 24, Jesus then turned said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. The human perspective doesn't want to do those things. It doesn't want to take up our cross and follow him. The, the human perspective is about our way and our comfort. But God is calling us to step out of our way and to step out of our comfort and to step into his. And the last, it tries to hang on to this life. That human perspective, it gets wrapped up in the things of today instead of the things of eternity. And so instead of trying to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel, verse 25, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. You'll save it. And so this is what I'd like to do is uh, I, I want to just, I'm going to ask this all to stand again. We're like a, like a Catholic church this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. But I just want to pray uh, a blessing over you. And I want to invite any people that would like to receive prayer. Uh, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, if it's related to this message, you want to see the reality of, of heaven happening here on the earth, then I would encourage you to come forward I would love to pray for you if there's something you need physically or financially, if there's something that you need in your family or relationally, whatever the case may be, I I would just love to pray with any of those that would like it this morning. I also want to encourage each and every one of you, uh, as you go, be faithful to the Lord in the giving of your tithes and your offerings. Uh, We give to the Lord. I said this a couple weeks ago, not because he needs it. He already owns it all. We give to the Lord to show him our, our, our obedience and to show him our trust in him. So I just want to pray a blessing on you and I thank those for stepping forward and looking forward to praying for you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that the realities of heaven, you desire for those to take place here on the earth. You sent Christ Jesus to, to die an excruciating death on a cross so that we could experience the realities of heaven even in in these mortal bodies. And so, Father, I just pray over each and every person. I pray as we walk out from this place that we understand that we're not living here just to exist. We're not in this place uh, on accident. You've placed us here on purpose. God, you've put us in communities, communities that are broken, communities that are filled with evil like Caesarea Philippi, You're saying upon this rock, in these most unlikely places, because I'm the Messiah, the Son of the living God, I'm going to use you to build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
God, I pray that our mission to reach the lost, that church doesn't become just about coming in and listening to a sermon, but we understand that you commissioned us. You said all authority in heaven and on earth are given to me, so go and make disciples of all nations. Find the people that are in your life. See that they're baptized. They come to Christ and are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, the, that you teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Lord, this is the mission. Help us not to get so focused on our realities, to be commentating on the things that we see instead of speaking the truth of Scripture, speaking your promises, to recognize, God, that you've, you are building your church. Hell cannot stop it, that you've given us all of your authority and power to, to do the work of the kingdom, to bind and to loosen, to see the realities of heaven on earth. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. Lord, I pray we oppose that human perspective, that we don't allow the voices around us to buy into the, to the lie, to oppose your will, to pretend like what we think should be happening from a human perspective is actually what you want in heaven like Peter did. But God, that we would understand that when you speak something forth in heaven, you desire that reality to happen on the earth that we don't listen to the lies of the enemy, that we don't oppose the will of heaven. Father, that we would understand what you desire to do through us. It's not about our way, it's not about our comfort. It's about laying our life down. And so God, I just pray that over every person in this room. God, that as they go and as they give, Lord bless, a hundredfold, God, pressed down, shaken together. Lord, as they give out of obedience, show them your powerful provision because you're God. You're Jehovah Jireh, the provider. It's your nature. It's your name. So, God, I just pray blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You're free to if you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079 or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.